Warning! This show is for a mature audience only and may contain harsh language, trans fats, live nudes, and derogatory comments about your mother. Parental discretion is advised. Three, four! Three, four! You're listening to the Emperor and the Emperor's Court on World of Warcraft Radio. Ooh, baby, is that your epic mount or are you just happy to see me? All this energy calling me, back where it comes from. It's such a crude attitude, it's back where it belongs. All the little kids growing up on the skins, they're going Cleveland Rocks, Cleveland Rocks. Oh, I love that song. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the second episode of the Rebirth of the Emperor's Court here on World of Warcraft Radio, WCRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your lovable host, the Emperor, coming to you live for me, recorded for you, from my plush studios here in Cleveland, Ohio. It's a gorgeous night here in Cleveland. But I'm sitting here talking to you. Actually, I just got my power back a few hours ago. Uh, my apologies for not having this ready on Thursday as I had originally intended and had said in the previous episode I would try to do. Uh, for those who are living in northeast Ohio can vouch for. Uh, we got some tornado warnings, some nasty storms, and we lost power yesterday. I made a post on our forums at wstray.com and also at my clan site at clan1g.net letting everybody know that it would be doubtful that I could get this up yesterday evening as we were experiencing uh, some terrible weather, as I just alluded to. Uh, we, in fact, did lose power about 20 minutes later, so the show would probably have been cut off either halfway through recording or had I been able to do it as planned, halfway through uploading to the site. In either case, here we are, and I've been looking forward to doing this again. I'm glad you're tuning in. Sometimes I th- would like to make this a live show. I just I crave interaction. Unfortunately, with my schedule the way it is, that just isn't going to happen. But good news... After BlizzCon, which is going on this week, or actually it's going on today as we speak, since I've been preempted on my normal show, you can tune in Friday nights from 9 to 11 Eastern and hear me live for the Esports Empire with myself for some cool Esports play-by-play of Warcraft 3, Empire, Total War, Team Fortress 2, etc., etc., and of course, up-and-coming StarCraft 2, which is the first topic of this evening's show, and I have several we're going to get to. Actually, eh, yeah, let's go ahead and give the rundown here of what we're going to do. All right, obviously, big news, BlizzCon is going on this weekend. Our great hosts are there right now bringing you live streaming coverage as best they are able to from BlizzCon. Uh, So make sure you tune in to that at uh, wstray.com. You can get all the archive shows, since I'm guessing you'll probably get this after the weekend, there are more important things going on, obviously, than my show. I understand that. Hence, my preempting of my live show. At any rate, we will go a little in-depth into a World of Warcraft Catalyst, the new expansion that has been announced. Everybody and their mother and her dog will be going over this, so I don't plan on going into it too greatly. But I do want to cover at least a couple things. StarCraft 2, as I just said, uh, is getting some new information coming out about the singles game, or the single player. Uh, unfortunately, it hasn't pushed back till late next year. I'm sorry, later of next year, 
I believe we're thinking spring of 2010. Napoleon Total War has been announced for sometime in February 2010. It is uh, They've gotten some new screenshots out, some previews. They've just come out recently announced it, uh, this being the cool crew at Creative Assembly. So I plan on going over that because I'm a huge Total War mark. Love that game series. Uh, the multiplayer can suck on occasion. It, okay, more than one occasion. But I tell you, I really like the uh, Total War series, uh, especially Empire. We'll get to that here uh, also. A fair warning to those of you of weak constitutions. Of course, you heard the warning at the top of the show about mature content. I have a meltdown and a rant coming at the end of the show. I will give you forewarning now. I will do it at the end so you get all the cool content before the cussing, swearing, and throwing of objects in my studio. <coughs> Cast room? Becommences. And it's going to be mean, and it's going to be nasty, and I'm mad. I'm really pissed about it. So I was talking to my buddy, uh, Legal Tender, uh, at uh, that's his game name, that's what we go by. We don't use real names on the show or on the internet. I at work uh, the other day, and he was telling me about, uh, hang on, I'm being handed this. What is this? All right, cool. We'll take a look at that later. Where the hell was I going with this? Oh, yeah, I was telling Legal Tender about it, and it, he wanted to know all the details. I said, nope, you literally will have to download my show and listen to it because I plan on going off. Because, it, really, it, it's despicable and it's disgusting, and at least in my eyes. But, you know, I'm going to bring up an interesting question, because we had this discussion, and it has nothing to do with video games, but Legal Tender was telling me that on occasion he will watch movies on his iPod while driving long distances. All right. Now, on the surface, that doesn't sound too weird. Naturally, you assume if he's watching it, then more than likely he is not being the one who's doing the broadcasting, or doing the watching. There we go, just adjusting my mic. Anyways, no, on the surface, that doesn't sound too weird. You think, okay, he's obviously not, he's a passenger, maybe he's sitting in the back of a van, they're going on a trip. No, he tells me he does this when he's actually doing the driving. And he's sitting there trying to convince me that it doesn't take a great deal of concentration to actually drive your car on the highway with cruise control on in the right lane that he can actually watch the movie on his iPod and drive. And has done this for years. I bring this up because I just can't wrap my head around it. How Do any of you out there actually do this? Does anybody out there watch movies or play games? I know there's people that text. We hear about this in the news all the time. And, of course, my other friend there that I have lunch with is telling, Oh, but I, I text. I do all the time when I drive. I'm like, you're both idiots. Please leave and make sure you leave before I leave the office so that I don't get hit. I, I can't be the only one who finds something wrong with this. How do you watch a movie? Oh, it doesn't take a great deal of concentration. The hell it doesn't. What happens if somebody swerves in front of you? Or a deer comes on the road, which happens in Northeast Ohio. We have lots of deer. Or some idiot, you know, rear-ends you or something. Or somebody runs out into the middle of the highway. Or a car is driving the opposite direction because he's suicidal. He's in the middle of a divorce. His Kids got taken away, somebody shot his dog, and he's going to end it all by driving the opposite direction. You have no idea it's coming because you're watching Sesame Street on your iPod. I cannot be the only one who sees something wrong with this. You can't do that. That's not safe. I don't care if it doesn't take a whole lot of concentration. I don't care if you've done it for years. If you're watching the movie, you're concentrating everything on this tiny little 
two-inch screen on your iPod. Don't get me wrong, the guy is cool as hell, and I mean, for a console gamer and all, but I, I question the sanity of this. It's the same thing as, as texting on your phone. No, don't do it, folks. Don't. Don't watch movies. Don't text. Don't watch porn or play with yourself or call somebody. Just drive. We have enough idiots on the road without you guys complicating matters. I can just hear the emails coming in now. I can't believe you said play with yourself on the air. You can send your complaint emails to emperor at wcradio.com. Don't worry, I get plenty. But so far, I get more positive emails than negative. And while that continues, so shall I. That being the case, you have been fair warned. There will be a major rant. Okay, well, that maybe not a major rant, but there will be a rant. And some swearing and screaming and the smashing of the desk of fail as that is what my clan has called it, as they can well tell you. Next time you see Mechahawk or Arthros or Schizophrenic or Nebuchadnezzar or any of the group in IRC, ask them some... or Black Meanie. He reminds me most. Ask any of them about the smashing of the desk with fist, and they will tell you. All right, I'm going to plug a few more guys. Or Tenzin or Artemis or the rest. I actually think Artemis is pretty much retired. Valshir. Valshir could tell you. By the way, speaking of Val Sheer, he's the only actual founding member still active, although uh, rumor has it Highlander is due back in Cleveland this week, moving back in from Florida, one of our founders. But the reason I bring it up, a uh, small little minor article here, Clan Imperial Guard, my clan, uh, was founded August 15th, 1996, 13 years ago, as of four days ago. We have been gaming as an organization since then. Unfortunately, I don't have story time uh, blocked in. We're going to make, by popular request, we'll make story time with Emperor a uh, regular regular uh, type of bit here on the on the show. So we'll, we'll start mixing that in. Unfortunately, I do not have time for it. Usually I have one entire show dedicated to some of the high, highlights and, and funny moments and some of the low points we've had of the clan, kind of like a clan history. Uh, we used to do it back on the old site because when I originally did it wasn't called the Empress Court. We had I had a couple shows back in the day on Clan1G.com. Now Clan1G.net. Uh, we had an agreement with another group, another organization, and they gave us a radio station, much like what WC Radio does now, World Warcraft Radio. Except it was for our clan. It was pretty much based on esports, primarily Warcraft Three. We were very popular, very big. Um, you know, we ran shows five nights a week. Mine were I had Monday Night Mayhem. And Thursday Thuggery, we did. Eventually, we started doing the Friday free-for-alls. And, I mean, we're talking, we'd, we'd have channels and channels of people in Warcraft 3 packed to the limit with players and listeners. It was great. This is the heyday of Warcraft 3 when everybody was playing it, naturally. Anyways, we would, we would do around this time, around the anniversary, we would do an entire show. I would do one dedicated, specifically, we call it the Ad Libs specifically around stories of the clan and things we've been through, and me personally as a gamer. Unfortunately, I don't know that we can really do that now, as I don't really think there's a big following for our clan and community like it used to be, because we stopped doing that, by and large. We kind of got out of the shoutcasting and article writing and replay posting business. Now we're just a community site, by and large. If there's a big enough interest and people really want to know you know, where I've been through as a gamer, and trust me, folks, I've been through the ringer. 
I've seen shit that'll turn you white. I mean, we started back when the internet was just getting going. I mean, like I said, uh, in August of 96, it was Quake 1. Uh, we actually, that's actually how we got our start. We were, we were sponsored as Quake 1 players. And we played Warcraft 2, and eventually Ultimate Line came along. And uh, again, folks, if you actually have an interest, and I'm not really trying to fish for compliments here, because again, I don't know if there really is one any interest out there for a clan you probably have never heard of, unless you played against us. In which case, you'll never forget. But... Um, post on the website, send me an email. If you see me on IRC, mention it. You know, if there's enough people that have an interest, maybe I will do an, an extra show. I won't take up all of an emperor's court for it because a lot of you aren't going to give a damn. So I'll do an extra. I will call up one of the, I'll do one of my ad libs and we'll do that. We'll make it a, a supplemental show. In fact, I'm going to write myself a note right here to do that if we have enough interest. Okay. That having been done, let's get, oh, one other big topic I want to get to is, um, a couple articles have been sent to me by you, the listeners, which I appreciate. A couple I will use tonight is also, obviously, my very fantastic research staff. Uh, Industry Gamers uh, has one about the failure of the gaming business, and that will be dead within five years, with a, with a variety of reasons as to why. And I would like to go over this, too. Um, God, the problem is, I, I really need to extend this to two hours, and I don't know that I can, because there's just so many topics. When I first decided to do this, I thought, okay... We'll get one, maybe two topics. I'll have to stretch them out, you know, maybe rant and rave and go off on a tangent and stall for time that stretches to an hour. And and the reality of it is, I have so much material to get through that I can't in one hour. And things move so fast in the internet world that what's interesting today is, you know, old news by next week. But I want to do that. I want to do a couple of nostalgia shows where I will try to bring in a guest or two to my studio here, where we will talk about the olden days, our favorite games of the the Nintendo series, the Super Nintendo, the Genesis, you know, the Sega Saturn, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, old PC games, going back to Coleco, Atari, and, and you know, that kind of genre. And I want to do a series of those kind of shows of nostalgic games, games we liked from back in the day, games we wish they still made, how things are better then than they are now. Kind of an old person's perspective on video gaming. Since a lot of us got that start, we're the Atari and the Nintendo generation. That's my group. I am, of course, a whopping... I'm not going to tell you how old I am, although most of you probably already know. Not too old, but I'm starting to get up there. DJ Weed is still older than I am, so... <laughs> yeah. At any rate, so I, I want to do that. I want to bring in a couple of guests in the studio for specific games, uh, for gaming reviews. I do not have a game review this week. I mean, I've got games I can review. I just don't know that I'm going to have enough time. And now that I've wasted the first 15 minutes about talking about, well, nothing, there's that much less time for game reviews. But at any rate, uh, let's get into... I wanted to start off with StarCraft II. Let's backtrack. Let's do Wild Cataclysm first. Since this has been the new big breaking story here at BlizzCon, and let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen, Blizzard is terrible at keeping secrets. But in all fairness, and I don't think it's really them, I mean, they've been data mined. They had, they put, well, I guess it is some of it is their problem, is their fault. About a week ago, maybe less than a week ago, a lot of this information started leaking to the internet about the some of the specifics about the new WoW expansion, the World of Warcraft expansion called Cataclysm. Um, 
what had been coming out was a lot of people were starting to, to debunk as fake because they didn't believe it. But World of Warcraft, uh, Blizzard specifically, came out today and said that it is true. They are making Cataclysm. Uh, they had put some of this stuff in a recent patch, and of course, people out there data mine this stuff, and that's what came out, and that's why some of this was leaked. So I, I guess it is and it isn't their fault. Uh, personally, I don't think it's a bad idea that it gets leaked. I mean, the entire Internet's been abuzz with what is and what could be, and, and is it fake, is it not, if it's true, what does it mean? You know, and, and well, maybe it was more than a week ago. But as I'm sure you've now heard, the two new races will be goblins for the Horde and Worgen, the wolf guys, the werewolves, for the Alliance. Now, I get the goblin thing. Goblins have been part of the Horde since Warcraft 2, which is when I came into the series. But the werewolves, the Worgen, I, I don't get. I mean, I, you can make any storyline you want to kind of plug them in there. I would just, I don't know if that's really a race that I personally would have any interest in playing. It's just, I, I just have no interest in that specific race's story. Now, I, we're not, I, um, I know they're not going to put in Pandarans. I know they're not going to give Ogres to the Alliance. I'm not really sure how many other races are really out there that are significant that you can play as that aren't already represented in a great deal in one way or another. So, I suppose working will do. Like I said, I, I have an interest in the Goblins, but... Personally, I have really no interest in the Wargans. But to each their own, beauty's in the eye of the beer holder. I think we all know that. Having said that, I'm intrigued by this. And right now, I'm seeing that the reviews from just my own personal talking to people, reading some forums, some places that are a good place to get a good beat on things, a good read. I'm trying to think of another adjective that's better, but I can't. Get my thesaurus out. Let me take a look. <laughs> a good temperature. Measuring stick? All right, yeah. And it seems to be running about 50-50, positive versus negative. Now, keep in mind, anytime Blizzard comes out with an announcement, any kind of patch, any kind of change, any kind of expansion, the negatives, by and large, usually outweigh the positives. Oh, I can't believe they're making this change. Oh, my God, they're going to ruin the game. Oh, this is a death of Warcraft. Uh, I know. I've made some of those claims. And to be honest, so far, I've been right. And on most of the complaints I've had with the game over the years, they ended up reversing or changing direction at some point. Now, being that I'm not an overly active player anymore in the game, uh, take that with a grain of salt, because my opinion doesn't matter much since they're not getting any more of my money, at least not for World of Warcraft. From what I have seen and read and play a little bit of The Wrath of the Lich King, personally, I hate it. That's me. But Cataclysm I find intriguing for a couple reasons. One, in my opinion, the best part of the World of Warcraft was the original game itself at launch. The original starting zones, the original three cities, uh, the 40-man raids, Molten Core, eventually when they started adding Blackwing Lair and... Anchorage sucked, and I hated Dax Ramus, but... I mean, those first two, the old world itself, vanilla World of Warcraft, to me, was the best time of the game, the most fun. When you were just starting to get going, you were exploring the different places you'd already fought battles in. In Warcraft 2, II, Warcraft 3, 
You're seeing some of the same landmarks, some of the same characters that you've been fighting with and against in the RTS series. That was exciting. That was new, and it was it was inventive and different. It was great. Well, they're going back to that. Apparently, what's going to happen is they're re-entered, They're going to introduce Deathwing, who, to me, is the villain, the badass villain I've been waiting for. I always was. I'm always a big fan of Deathwing. Yeah, I know it's kind of cliche to have an evil black dragon. But having said that, that is the one, the, the, the bad guy of the Warcraft universe that I always, uh, you know, actually liked and followed. You know, it was Agram Doomhammer, which obviously wasn't very playable. And of course, Deathwing. So anyways, Deathwing comes back and he's pissed and he's a black dragon. So he's got issues with the rest of the world. Because everybody's trying to kill off... Actually, I think all the Black Dragons are dead, but him. I'm sure Pride and Oma Fail will jump all over me about the lore. Well, that, that's not true! There, there are some Black Dragons left somewhere! Nobody cares. Trust me. I don't. And no one else does either. We will not carry that feud on to the Emperor's Court. We'll continue. Anyway, so Deathwing comes back in a vengeance and causes, as name implies, a cataclysm that changes the face of Azeroth forever. What this means is that they're going to revamp the original world. They're going to add new starting zones for some of the new players, or some of the new races. I think, uh, what is it, Thousand Needles is going to be flooded. Uh, some of the stuff I've been reading that they're going to change around, Dustwall of March is going to be flooded. They're going to change around some of, the, some of the zones in the original world. They're going to allow flying mounts in the original world, which they said for years that it would cost too much be too time inefficient and wouldn't be worth their efforts to change the old world to make it accessible for people on flying mounts. Well, that's out the window because apparently it's going to be allowed. Now, keep in mind, what that says to me is that there's going to be some radical changes in the old world in order to allow that kind of pathing, okay? So... Uh, take it with a grain of salt right now. Uh, like I said, me personally, I think it's a positive. I like that they're giving us a reason to go back to the old world. I like that they're going to continue on the storyline. I think it's kind of odd that you're going to do the first 60 levels in the new world, or the old world, go to Outlands for 10, go the, you know to Dorthrin for 10, and then you come back for the additional 5 levels in the old world and start picking up the storyline where you left off. But whatever. It's a bit of nostalgia mixed in with a bit of new. I like that. If they do it right. Now, time will tell. We're a long way off. Wrath of Lich King just came out in November. And they already announced another expansion. Now, they took their time between the last two. So the question is, are things really going that badly for World of Warcraft that they need to announce another expansion to get people interested in the game again? or to give them hope to slug through what they've got now until they get there? Or, did they already have most of this in planning and in the works at the same time they were doing Wrath of the Lich King? Kick Wrath of the Lich King out the door with only some of the stuff that they had, had intended, and the rest will be going for the Cataclysm. Maybe both of those are wrong. Maybe there's a third option. I don't know. At this point, I guess it's, it's a moot point. Why bother? 
Now, yes, I see some of the crying and the bitching that's going on in the forums. Well, it's the old world. The only reason they're doing it is because they want to kick out another expansion and make some more money without giving us new content. I hate that word, by the way, content. That's like the new C word to me. That has been so overused. It's like molesting the dead horse after you've kicked it enough. Leave the horse alone. Find a new word. Material is a good one. Anyways. <laughs> they're, they're not going to bring out anything new. It's going to be the same old crap. They're just going to make us pay another 40 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Keep crying. I, I'm sure there is a bit of truth to that. That maybe they don't want to build a whole new realm and a whole new zone. They've already started things by announcing they're bringing Anixia back as a raid boss. Revamped. And I already see the bitching and complaining about that. <laughs> but, but, Emerald, we already killed Anixia. You're going to ruin it. You're, you're going to ruin all our accomplishments by bringing her back. All right. And you know what? I'm going to jump right into the middle of this controversy right now. And I know that this is a hot button time. In fact, hang on. This is going to take a minute. Let me grab a drink because I know my throat's going to go dry with this one. Hang on. All right, here we go. For all of you raiders out there, you power gamers, you raiders, you know who I'm talking to, the guys who spend 40 or more hours a week playing in your raid, playing in your guild, Getting every single raid, I mean, encounter down to a science. I'm talking about you out there, Point Dexter, with the triple glasses, who make spreadsheets on how to attack a boss. And, and with a friggin' stopwatch for how long to do your DPS, how long not to. Exactly how much damage the people out there who are making modification programs, mods, to run with World of Warcraft so that all of the thinking is not is done for you. All of you high and mighty elitist bullshit people out there who look down on the rest of us, the casual gamer, and say, you're ruining it for everybody because you won't put the time and effort into it. You don't deserve the awards. Well, let me tell you something. Sit down. I'm serious. Sit down. This may come as a great shock to you. I don't want you falling or stumbling or whatever. So sit down and listen carefully. Because you killed a virtual dragon in a virtual world in an internet game is not an accomplishment. It is not something that you're going to receive any kind of real award for. It is not something that you can put down on a resume and expect to get a job. Is it fun? Yes. Is it a small accomplishment in the perspective that it is just a video game? Yes. Does that mean because somehow you were able to kill a dragon that flies back and forth in a virtual cave all day long waiting for something to come across and kill it, and because somehow through trial and error and many hours of gameplay, you were able to figure out the exact formula and set up to kill it, does not make it an accomplishment that somehow gives you the right to tell everybody else you can't change it, you can't make it any easier... Because we did it. You're not going to roll up to some chick at a bar and say, Hey, B, 
baby. Do you know if me and 40 of my closest fake internet friends were able to kill Anixia? Supposing she doesn't laugh at you, and supposing you were able to get into the bar in the first place, and not kicked out by the bouncer at the door, no one cares! Five years from now, I'll tell you what. You know what I used to do at Ultima Online? We had all kinds of great accomplishments in the perspective of the game. You know how much it's worth today? It's worth shit! It's, I, I got nothing for it! it that's all it's worth! Actually, it was worth a couple hundred bucks because I sold my account. But you get my point. What happened at Ultima Line when I played the game back from 96 to 2000 means exactly dick in today's world. We did some cool stuff then, too. Doesn't matter. So, no. It is not an accomplishment that you can brag about. It is not an accomplishment that you're going to go into a job interview. Have you any leadership experience? Why, why, yes, sir, I, I do. I made spreadsheets on Microsoft Excel for me and my guild of Alliance heroes when we went in and killed Illidan because he had it coming. And I tell you what, that's extreme leadership because it was important that I tell three players to hit their number one key while four other players hit their number two key every 30 seconds. That is not real leadership. That is not an accomplishment. That is not a badge of honor. That is a hobby. There's no difference between that and winning your beer league softball championship. But you know what? Everybody can play softball and have a good time. Not everybody can play Warcraft and see everything in the game. Do you understand the the correlation I'm making? In softball, if we're going to make that analogy, and I don't know that we can, but I'm going to anyways. Everybody can go to the plate and hit. Everybody can throw the ball. Everybody can catch the ball, I would hope. Everybody can play a position. Okay? And I'm making the adjective that these are two games that people play for fun. There are two hobbies. Are there people who play softball professionally? Yes, we're not talking about them. There are people who play video games professionally, too. We're leaving them out of the discussion. The bottom line is this. Sometimes the game company will change and make things easier so a majority of the player base actually gets to enjoy it, gets to see the new content. There's that C word again. Material. All right? Congratulations. You rushed through with you and 25 other people. You were the world first. Send me your PayPal address and I'll email you a penny. Because that's about what it's worth. Am I pissing some people off? Yes, but I don't care. That's the truth of it. Yes, it's cool in-game that you were able to do that. I'm sure you have tens of nerds on your server who look up to you because you were able to kill Arthras and do something. Uh, Congratulations. You were able to get to level 80 faster than anybody else in your server, in which case you didn't enjoy the journey getting there. It's all about the gear. Yes, I understand that's how the game is driven. And yes, in as far as people will enjoy the game how they want, that's fine. You enjoy the game by downing all the raid bosses. Good for you. I applaud that. That's fine. Not the sarcastic applause, but the actual applause. Yes, I'm glad you do. That's the whole point, is you got a chance to down those bosses. Now, does it ruin your accomplishment, the fact that 25 other people 
three months later, at an easier level, are able to do the exact same thing? I don't think so. Everybody knows it was made easier. So the guild that did it three months earlier, or three months later, knows that it was easier when they did it. It's the same thing with revamping the old world in a lot of ways, folks. Yes, it's something that you've seen and done before. I I get that. There are going to be some new twists. There's going to be something different. It's not going to be exactly the same thing. Killing Anixia in her lair, fine. That may be, you know, old school, old cap for somebody. There's a lot of new players in this game that probably never went into Kill Anixia, that probably never stepped foot in Molten Core, or Blackwing Lair, or Anchorage, or the original Nexramus, or Stratholme, or the rest of them. All right? There was a couple million of us who played Warcraft the first time around. There's, what, 11 million people playing the game? I'm guessing a good chunk of them probably never went back to experience the old content, because, let's face it, who the hell would? Unless you got a, you know, a, a, an inch up your butt to go back there and try and kill Anixia with your level 80. That's hard. So, those of you who are getting all bent out of shape about this, all right, and, you know, I'll, I'll bash Blizzard as soon as I'll defend them. And, uh, trust me, Blizzard is aware of this. Anybody who's listened to me for more than five minutes knows this. But in this particular case, I have to side with them. People are getting all out of shape about Cataclysm. Calm the hell down. Seriously, take a breath. It's okay. If you want, don't buy the expansion. They haven't released all the details. This is just getting going, folks. We've got time. If you don't like what you're seeing and reading, that's cool. There are other games out there you can spend your money on. No problem. All right, now that I pissed off half my listener base, let's continue. All right, so that takes care of the Warcraft portion of the show. Uh, StarCraft Two. This is a game I actually have a very big interest in, uh, being a for a couple reasons. Uh, one, I'm a big RTS fan, always have been. I, I like the strategy war games. In fact, I started gaming back in the old Coleco when I was like seven or eight. Gives me an idea how old I am. I played a game called War Room, which was a war game for the Coleco. That's probably the first actual legitimate war game that I played, and I loved it. And I've played war games at every console, platform, PC, and system since. Trying to log in here so I can get this next article. I had it pulled up, and unfortunately it closed itself down for some reason. I don't know. But StarCraft II is coming out. Uh, it, it's been pushed back till next year, uh, which was pretty aggravating. I, I was looking forward to this year. Now there are obviously other games now that are that are going to you know get my interest. It's got to kill Blizzard not to be able to bring it out by Christmas though. That I mean that that was a big thing because they always release in November. So, anyways, uh, Kotaku.com. That's K-O-T-A-K-U.com. Free plug for them since I'm getting pretty much a lot of the information from them. They might as well get the credit. If you go to Kotaku.com, Kotaku.com, they have a very nice write-up. Uh, this one came from MechaHawk, sent it to me. A very nice write-up on the single player of uh, StarCraft. I'm not going to go through all of it because I don't want to, you know, take all of their glory. You'll, you should go there and get a lot of it. They have some cool screenshots. There's a couple of good gameplay features up there. Uh, but I tell you what, from what I've read and what I've seen, it's looking very, very uh, promising. The game in and of itself reminds me a great deal of Warhammer uh, Dawn of I'm sorry Warhammer Dawn of War 2. For those of you who have played the game, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a carbon copy; it's not, but the gameplay is very similar. The look is very similar. Um, essentially, it's it's very it's like Warcraft 3 engine 
on steroids with StarCraft graphics. I mean, the StarCraft characters. Better graphics, you can command more troops. You command about 40 guys as opposed to the original 12, which is nice in a command group. Excuse me there while I clean these. There we go, I can actually see now. One thing I did notice uh, in some of the gameplay trailers, uh, the single player that they had, is that the Battlecruiser now has bombing, strafing capabilities. They can bomb stuff on the ground. How cool is that? Watching a Battlecruiser go on a strafing run against the, uh, against the Zerg. Looks like the same voice actors, same voice characters will be back from the original game. Looks like in this one, however, the Zerg, or the Tyranids, the Zerg, the Tyranids, it's hard to keep them straight. You know, a swarm that decides to let loose upon the galaxy and erase it from existence. The Tyranids. I mean, the Zerg. <sighs> I don't know how I get those mixed up. Anyways, the Tyranids go out to fight the Space Marines. <sighs> Shit. The Zerg go out to fight the Space Marines. <sighs> the Zerg go out to fight the Eldar. Ah, damn it. The Zerg go off to fight the Protoss. There we go. Sorry, because, you know... You know, Protoss, Eldar, Space Marines, Space, Space Marines. Um. Anyways, <clears throat> the gameplay obviously is nothing new as far as everybody out there is listening. I'm sure you've already seen the uh, videos that they've got out there. I can't wait for this game for that simple reason. If they keep the game as similar as they can to the original StarCraft with updated, better graphics... I'm all for it, man. There's not to make me happy. There's not a whole hell of a lot you got to do and improve upon that game. And I think if you ask around, most people will say the exact same. Uh, one thing that Kotaku does have it does have a spoiler. Uh, it does have a spoiler-free version of this article, so you don't have to get all the the juicy uh, single-player details. Now, I will say that in this one, the Terrans have an emperor. I mean, the Terrans have an emperor. Wow, I, they're not even trying anymore. It, it's pretty much they should just call it the Dawn of War uh, three or two and a half. Let's just be honest. Let's call it Star Hammer forty k point one. Okay, folks, don't send me. And I just uh, people are rushing right now to their emails. Type, 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 type. Dear Emperor, you are a jackass. Everybody copies off of everybody else. Lol. There is no originality in game making. Lol. Rawful. P.S. D.I.A.F. Love some jerk. I get it. There's no originality anymore. It's all space opera. It's all been done before. Yes and no. But see, I'm trying to think what I can, what I want to. But I want to give away here what I don't, because there's a lot of people that won't want the story ruined for them. Uh, StarCraft II, again, the Zerga are resurgent. They're coming back out. They're looking to kick some ass and take some names. And it explains how they've been gone for several years, and they come back. You know, nobody knows where they've been. And now they're stronger than they were, and they want to, you know, take over the known galaxy. That You know. The rebellion continues between, uh, you know, the Terran rebellion that goes on the Confederacy and... and you know, Raynar and crew. Obviously, the Terran Emperor is pissed. So he's going to send troops out there again. So what it comes down to is this. The gameplay looks very similar, like I said, to, to Dawn of War, Crisis, like I said, Warcraft 3 on roids. 
The fact that you can command more than, you know, 12 groups or 12 men in a group, to me, is great. And it, yeah, seriously, go if you go on YouTube, there's pretty easy to find the official ones, the official Blizzard trailers of the gameplay. It's worth a watch. I do like the way the new Dragoons look. I think they look pretty kick-ass. The Protoss Zealots, in general, through their power swords. I think the graphics, the movement look phenomenal. The animation looks great. And the voice acting, it is what it is. I still don't like the chick who does Kerrigan's voice. I never did. That's I, I'm nitpicking at this point, folks, which tells you something. If all I can do is nitpick based on the previews that I've seen, then the game's going to be pretty damn good. The only question that I have, which has not been addressed because we're not even d- discussing multiplayer yet, is the balance issue, which was the bane of Warcraft 3, and it continues to be to this day. And it's something that StarCraft was able to get down. And yes, there were significant differences between the games. You had heroes in one and not heroes in another. Excuse me a second. Had to sneeze, and I didn't want to do that in the mic. That's unprofessional, because I'm not being paid for this, but I try to be professional. Now for the unprofessional. (laughs) Ah, Okay, moving on. The gameplay itself looks phenomenal. Uh, We're going to have to wait and see. It's the balance. I'm more interested, for me personally, in the multiplayer aspect. Back in the day, uh, the first thing I would have done was played all of the single-player scenarios, all the campaigns, all the additional maps, played against the computer, and then ventured online. Starting with Warcraft 3, I didn't do that anymore. I had to go back and play the Warcraft 3 campaigns, which were pretty average, to be honest. And that's why I I lost a lot of interest in the Warcraft series. The Warcraft 2... The lore, the different clans, the different nations, everything. It just clicked on all cylinders. Warcraft 3, for me, did not. Some things it did, some it really failed on. I have high hopes for StarCraft. Blizzard has traditionally done very well on their RTS games, eventually. Here's to hoping they hit it on this one. So, there's that. I ended up not going into depth as much as I wanted to uh, on that one. Mainly because I just realized that there was a non-spoiler version. I probably should have looked that up ahead of time, but I didn't. Anyways, uh, the next one I want to get to is IndustryGamers.com has this one. Dablin sent it in. The video game business is in need of reform, and some say developers, uh, some developers say it'll be dead within five years. For a variety of reasons. Here's a couple. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing the article here. Uh, this is actually by... Uh, Digital Trends apparently kicked off a season two of their show, Players Only, with Scott Steinberg. There, I plugged the people I'm getting it from. I'm big on credit, folks. If I'm getting a news article or something of interest from somewhere, I want you to know where you can go get it. All right, I found this article. I got this from Davlin on IndustryGamers.com. So you can go there if you want the whole article. Here are a couple of the high points. Uh, the first one, and I agree with this. Is uh, this one comes from uh, Pete Wanat, who's the Wanat, the executive producer of Wanted: Weapons of Fate, and he's basically saying the reason, one of the main reasons that games are going to fail in the next five years is because games are too expensive. And that's not just—he's uh, not talking about. At least I don't believe so. He's not talking about the expense that you get when you roll into Best Buy or GameStop or whatever place you get your games at, and you realize that a PlayStation Three game costs sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. You know, or a new PC game is 55 Or, God forbid, you want to play the Wii, and now you need some special goddamn remote to play it. Did I say that on the air? 
Am I allowed to say that? Mystic Man was shaking her head no. Should we edit that out later? Yeah, I probably want to. Add that to my list of the confession when I go... Oh, Father's going to have a field day with me. You said what? Yeah, he really doesn't like that one. Well, you don't have to go. Yeah, I know, you're Lutheran. I get it. It's easy being you. <laughs> uh, some religious jokes between the two of us, ladies and gentlemen. If Obviously, it's, it's not necessarily an inside joke, but if you're a Catholic or a Lutheran, or know anything about either faith, you... You'll understand why that's funny. <laughs> At any rate, he's right. But his complaint is from from a, his standpoint is as a developer. And that the developer is actually paying a lot more upfront costs for development, the production of the game, you know, finishing it, putting it into a, a finished product, giving it to a publisher, and the publisher rakes in most of the profits since they're the ones who are packaging it, marketing it, and sending it out. I understand that. It's very difficult... And Advertine found this out when they tried to market Darkfall, and they realized they had to self-publish, and they've had a lot of problems since then getting it into all the different markets around the world, getting servers put up around the world. I mean, as an independent company, Advertine has done very well. You can debate about their PR you know, abilities, but they've done pretty well self-publishing their game, but they're still not in every major market around the world. It's still a mainly European game, and it's hard. So I understand where he's coming from as a publisher, I mean, of a, as a developer of a game. If you don't have the financial backing, the money to actually go out there and self-publish your game, you're never going to realize the profits. And the point of this is twofold, all right? And, and he actually makes mention of this. They talk about it later in this article. I'm going to go into a little more depth than they do. I'm going to take it a little further. But when this one's actually said later... Um, where he goes on to say that uh, people are blaming the game industry for the failure of, of publishers, of some of the other publishers, because they didn't release you know, a game that's part of a major franchise. I understand that, too. But what it's going to come down to is one of two things is going to happen. Either companies are going to refuse to take any chances on any smaller titles or any new franchises, because the amount of money it takes to start up a new franchise, a new game, and there's no guarantee it's going to be a success. Look at Final Fantasy Tactics. That sucker carried the Final Fantasy name, and it still had a limited release in the United States because they didn't think it would do well, and at first, it failed miserably. It wasn't until the game was out for about a year and a half that everybody got wind of it, played it, and said, damn, this is a phenomenal game. And now you've had two you know, Game Boy sequels. All right? I understand we're, we're so, especially in today's economy worldwide, it's not just here in the States, but everywhere, it's getting bad. Developers don't want to take a chance on marketing a game that's new and revolutionary and different necessarily, unless they're a major company that has a lot of money to sink into it, because they don't know, and this is a complete argument against what this guy's saying, and I'll get to that in a minute. The reason why is because there's no reason to risk the security of your company on a maybe. Years ago, that wasn't the case. You could get going, you can get... If you were getting in the ground ground floor of the industry, look at Blizzard. You want a perfect example of a small group of guys that hit it big. Look at Blizzard. Now they're one of the biggest gaming manufacturers out there, publisher and developer. They publish their own games. All right. Look at SquareSoft and Enix. Well, I mean, there's Square Enix now, but look at SquareSoft. Look at Enix and how big they got. SquareSoft was down. I mean, they were bankrupt. They were down to one game. 
Final Fantasy, their final fantasy game. That was where the whole name came from. It was their final chance, a last-ditch effort to get the company out of bankruptcy, to sell a game that would work. So they called it their final fantasy game. And look what happened. But how many... I mean, they had a lot of games that failed previous to that. And that's what this really comes down to. Is that, one? like I said, one of two things is going to happen. Either the small publishers are going to go with a regurgitated, you know, retread of games out there. Another World War II game. Another different kind of sports game. Another something that requires a Wii remote to swing a baseball bat. Doesn't necessarily have to be MLB, but you get the idea. And the big companies that do have the money for this stuff, the other drawback that I see, rather than taking that money and necessarily investing it and trying to develop new... Now, this isn't... I'm not doing using a broad brush. I'm not saying everybody. I'm sure there are some game companies out there who are, who are taking risks, who are trying new things. But... What it comes down to is these big companies like Activision. Let's we'll take them as an example, okay? Or, you know, Sony self-published a lot of their games. Look, Or, you know, the Madden franchise, like Ubisoft, or, you know, those groups. They're not necessarily going to bother to spend on, on new developing games. They're just going to market the hell out of the stuff they've got. They're going to release Madden 10, and 11, and 12, and 13, and 14, and 15, because they're guaranteed to sell they know they're going to make their money back on that. World of Warcraft, they can keep kicking out expansions till now until Christ comes back. And they're going to make money on them. And they know it. It's something, you know, familiar. It's not necessarily something that's very new and out there. It's going to stifle the market to the point where there are no new and interesting games coming out that you're just getting the same old, same old in a prettier, nicer package. That is one of the concerns that they've got. Now, this gentleman goes on to say, he says, unfortunately, quote, unfortunately, people are blaming the game industry for the failure of some of these publishers, and it's not the industry at all. But the guys who know what they're doing, like Ubisoft, like Activision, who, haven't, who have not chased different kinds of business, seem to be doing pretty well. And, and that goes hand in hand with what I just said. And it's the same thing, and, and this isn't just paraphrasing him, folks. This is common sense. When things are going south, you're not going to sink your new money into trying something new and daring. The people that are ultimately successful, that hit it rich and big, take those chances. And that's exactly what they do, is they try something new and different when nobody else wants to. Bill Gates began Microsoft in the middle of a recession back in 81, 80 or 81. One of the worst recessions in the United States history. He took a chance, and it paid off big for him. But for every one success story, there's a million failures. And right now, nobody wants to be one of those million. Because the chance of hitting it rich and hitting it big are, are fail. Okay? But, and this is, that was said, I'm sorry, by Michael Patcher. He's a different guy. Alright? He goes on to talk about how Guitar Hero 3, you know, was you know generated a billion dollars for the game, but... You know, the Neversoft guys and Red Octane, the developers of that didn't see most of the money the publishers did. That's something that we as gamers can't fix. That's not really something we have any kind of, of say in. But I understand that and I agree with it. The developers of the game who do the lion's share of the work should get the lion's share of the money. Creative Assembly, I believe, went through the same thing when they started publishing their games through Sega. 
who ultimately bought them. Now it's it goes hand in hand. It's one and the same. But the other point of it is, and this doesn't isn't brought up in the article, but I want to talk about it from my perspective as a consumer, as a gamer. The games into themselves are too expensive. My budget, especially now that I've got you know a home and a family and uh, a future, okay, my disposable income for games is not what it was five, even ten years ago. Obviously, I had a lot more to spend. I didn't have the family and the home and everything else. So ask me to go out and spend sixty-five bucks on a game, or sixty dollars on a game, plus a new remote, plus uh, some kind of memory boost, on top of a four hundred dollars system. And yes, I know there are some cheaper ways to get around that. But those are exceptions to the rule, not the rule. Alright? Don't tell me to go buy a used game when GameStop is selling them 5 bucks less than retail. A $60 game being sold for 55 is still too damn expensive. $400 for a system is too expensive for a lot of people. You buy the system and you're broke. Look how well the friggin' Nintendo Wii did. You know, when I said this, and, those, and the guys in the clan channel, and the guys around our community site, and everybody can vouch for me that I said this, and everybody I know personally. Two years ago, when the Wii started coming out, I said, this thing is going to sell like crack for the first year and a half or so. Until people realize, and developers of, of games realize, that it's too difficult to generate and make games for such a revolutionary and different system until people realize that every game involves the same shaking of your wrist from left to right. With some exceptions, that's the case. And look what's happening. The games coming out from the Nintendo Wii are mediocre at best. Most of them are kids' games. They're family-oriented. And that's fine. That's how they marketed it. But the reason why the Wii sold like a mother was because it was at a price point of $250. So when Christmas time comes around for your little kids, and now I'm speaking as a father because I had to go out and get the Wii. Well, she earned hers, but I went and got it for her. My point is this. When you're on a budget, you've got one or two or three kids and a house and a pet and a car or two cars and your clothing and your insurance and your health insurance and your gas, and your food, and everything else. What looks like a better deal? Getting a next-generation new console system at 600 bucks, 400 bucks, or 250 bucks. Don't tell me that didn't have a major issue, a major uh, point, in the Nintendo Wii selling like it did. Especially with competition from two other consoles that have been out within a year with superior games. Yes, they were marketed to families. Yes, they were marketed as a party game. And that's what our pretty much our Nintendo Wii is. Anytime we have a family get-together, we break it out of the closet. Until then, it sits in there and rots. Except when we play Mario Kart Wii. But I'll get to that in a few minutes. If the gaming industry is really concerned about being dead within five years, then a couple things need to happen. One, on their end, they have to figure out a different model, a different way of doing their... from getting from developer to publisher to retail. That's for them to work out. And it's going to have to sort itself out. It's capitalism. It'll, it'll, 
Trust me, it'll be fine. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is these companies gouging the hell out of us, the consumer, for money we just don't have anymore to blow on $60 games. $45? Now we're talking. $15 is a big difference. i got news for you. When they say that StarCraft is coming out in three different pieces, that I'm going to have to buy three different games, even if they price them at 30 bucks a chunk, that's $90 for a game that would have cost me 40 five years ago, less than that 10 years ago, for the whole damn thing. I didn't have to buy Warcraft 3 in three different, four different chunks. One for the Undead, one for the Night Elves, one for the Horde, one for the Alliance. I didn't have to buy, well, Dawn of War did it. But you know what? Their expansions were 10, 15 bucks. I think 20 was the most I ever saw a Dawn of War expansion. They threw a lot in. <clears throat> That's really getting the model from, I'm sure. Now, here's where I differ. There's a, a gentleman here in the article named Lauren Lanning. He's from Oddworld Inhabitants. who goes on to say that the types of companies that are going to do well and have success in the years to come aren't going to be the big ones. They're going to look and say and be the small ones. And there's a reason. Quote, the more we look at companies that marginalize themselves into profit zones only, where the mantra is profit, 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 blizzard, they're going to lose to the more innovative, smaller operations that are forcing themselves to be more efficient. And you know what? This is where I disagree with this gentleman here, okay? I disagree on, on two levels. Well, I agree on one and disagree on the other. On the first one, he's right. When these companies go out there and it's profit, 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 like Blizzard has done, and don't have any bullshit that they haven't. When they said they weren't going to allow PvP to PvE transfers, they did. Not because they were being nice and allowed people to transfer, because they can make money. Now they've got it where you can change your faction and your race. How? Because it costs money. They said you'd never be able to transfer servers. We're able to do that now for a cost, for money. When you start screwing with the game itself, the integrity, and if you stop treating it like an artwork, like something that you've built from the ground up, when you start treating it as nothing but a business, with no other aspect of it, you have not only lost your soul as a developer, as a gaming company, but if you've gone on the show, the almighty dollar is the only motivating factor behind you. Not that you're putting out a quality game, <clears throat> not that you're just continuing a very quality storyline, that is worthy of some decent books if you could get some decent authors to do it. Richard Knack notwithstanding. I gotta grab another drink. Hang on, my throat's starting to go here. There we go. And, and don't get me wrong, Blizzard Activision isn't the only one that does this. Alright? <clears throat> There's a lot of people out there that are guilty of this. You start to alienate gamers. When you start kicking out expansions, you know what? <clears throat> they said this about Madden Football and Major League Baseball and the rest, saying that the games that were coming out year to year to year weren't big enough differences to justify the 60 bucks would cost to buy the game. When the only thing that was really changing from one game to the next were players and teams. And they said as much. And said, we understand that, and this is EA specifically that said this, Electronic Arts. You want to talk about a big conglomerate that's only generating money. 
EA said this, that they are going to go out of their way now to make sure the game is different, that they add enough stuff to it to justify the cost because they're being killed by people who have spread the word or who have bought the game and been burned saying, why am I buying the exact same game from 12 months ago for 60 bucks? And they are. But I don't believe that the answer is going to be smaller, these smaller innovative companies who are able to release a game and be more efficient about it. Look at Stardock. And they put out Sins of a Solar Empire, and they brought out Demigod. Those are quality games. They're good games. I mean, but they appear appeal to niche markets. Did they turn a profit? Yeah, maybe, but it's not enough to put Stardock on the map as a big player. What you're going to have are a bunch of small and mid-sized companies are going to make these small and mid-sized games that are either going to fail or they're going to be moderate successes at best. And you're just never going to hear about them unless you happen to run into somebody. I didn't know anything about Sins of a Solar Empire. I didn't know a damn thing about Stardock until somebody pulled me off to the side and said, Hey, remember when you played Homeworld all those years ago? Well, here's a cool war game that's kind of like it with some of the same developers. It was word of mouth. That's how I found out about it. Blizzard doesn't need word of mouth. Electronic Arts doesn't need word of mouth. Ubisoft, the rest of them, they don't need it. You go to their sites. Squaresoft? Hell, I'm sure there's fanboys camped outside their headquarters day and night every day. At least until Final Fantasy XIII comes out. If I didn't have a job, I'd be out there. But I don't believe that smaller games are going to have that ability because they are going to have to go through a publishing company and they're going to get raped. They're not going to generate the same kind of revenues that they would if they did it themselves. And it's too expensive and too difficult to do that. With the marketing, the advertising, and all that, folks, some of this may be very boring to you because when you get right down to it, what we're we're discussing is we're not discussing video games. We're discussing economics. That is what this all boils down to. You have been listening to a pseudo-college economics 101 class specifically macroeconomics at the top and in our case the consumer microeconomics congratulations there will be a test could I see gaming retail be dead in five years no I can't not personally I can see it changing a great deal I see Games that are being supported by or being kill or uh, sold on, say, Steam, for download that go on sale for twenty bucks, like Team Fortress Two was twenty dollars a little while ago, or I believe they've had Dawn of War Two on sale recently for an unbelievable deal. What's going to happen is games are going to come out for download only. They're going to be cheaper because you no longer have brick and mortar you have to worry about. You no longer have to worry about packaging and. Uh, CDs and game uh, manuals and the rest of it. You don't have to ship it anywhere. That will go, that will help out. I personally like having something concrete in hand. I don't necessarily like only having something virtual to to go on. Now, having said that, I've never had a problem reinstalling Team Fortress. I've never had a problem reinstalling. Well, I've got Counter Strike in concrete, but Team Fortress is the only game I've ever downloaded online. And I've had to reinstall twice on two different computers. I've never had a problem getting it. All right? Steam and Valve and all them, that Valve, to me, is gold. They're gold. I have never been disappointed by a Valve product. That's me. 
I know a lot of people feel the same. Steam is infinitely better than Gates Buy. I mean, it's the next best thing to a battle net. You know, but you're going to see small game companies do something like that. They're going to, if they can't self-publish on a grand basis, sending it out to stores, then they're going to go on, they're going to sell it to groups through groups like Steam or GameSpy and the rest and do it that way. You know, like uh, Matrix Games does or Shrapnel Games does and have done for years. And they get by. I mean, they've got their fan bases. They're not huge, but they get by. But they need to lower the price of games for us, the consumer. They need to lower prices between the publisher and developer. Or at least work out something that's more economical as far as doing that. They need to streamline the system. There's a lot more competition in the video game market now than there ever has been. You've got Xbox. You've got PlayStation. You've got Nintendo Wii. Okay? You've got the... Nintendo DS, the Nintendo DS Lite, the PSP. You've got PC games of a thousand different times. You've got Mac, which is kind of like the bastard child of the computer family. They get some kind of game. They're like, they get me hand-me-downs. Mac is kind of like the underprivileged middle child that no one ever wants or cares about or looks at. Yeah, he has flashes of brilliance, but when you get right down to it, he's a nerd that needs braces who gets all the hand-me-down clothes, you know, the mitt with a hole in it, you know, the spikes that don't have any, and a baseball bat that has a big dent in the middle of it. That his big brother, the PC, used to use. That's what Mac is. And that's not... That's ignoring all the older systems that are still out there that people are still playing. Then you've got games that are apps on the iPhone. You've got apps for mobile on your, on your regular phone. And your BlackBerry and everything else. There's a thousand and one different game. That's just gaming formats, folks. As we progress through the years, we have more and more options for entertainment, more now than we've ever had. At some point, you're going to saturate the market. When everybody's charging an uh, ass load of money for anything, you're going to start to see things slow down and break apart. Eventually, you're going to hit an equilibrium price point where people say, enough is enough. I cannot afford this, and I will not pay the prices that you are suggesting. I'll either wait for the game to be out for a while for the price to drop, or I'll find something else to do. There is no way in God's green earth that in my lifetime, I will play every single PlayStation or PlayStation 2 or Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis game or original Xbox or Dreamcast or Sega Saturn or whatever. All the games that are out there that I've never played that no doubt I will be entertained by that I can get for pennies on the dollar versus the new stuff that's out today. Do I like the newest Romance of Three Kingdoms? Sure. But you know what? I had just as much fun playing Romance of the Three Kingdoms 2 for the original Nintendo. And I can do that anytime I like. If I want to bust out my Nintendo and hook it up to my computer, or sorry, up to my TV, or if I want to play it on the emulator on my computer. Yes, I use emulators. No, I don't play any games that I don't actually own. Kind of a stickler about that. Yes, I know we're running long. So, folks, you're getting an extra long episode. Look at it this way. Consider this a apology for not having this out a day early or a day on time. 
So, yeah, I, can I see it happening? Yes. And you know what? And here's a good point of what I mean. And this was sent, this was sent to me, okay? Best Buy is testing, uh, testing a market. I got this off of joystick.com. J-O-I-S-T-I-Q, joystick.com. They have an article up here about Best Buy who was testing a, uh, a price match system in, their market, in one of their markets in Utah. And here's how it works. They will match any used game being sold by GameStop or Game Crazy. They will match the price. Okay. On the surface, that sounds like pretty much what every other company would do. Match a price by a competitor. Cool, fine. So what? Why is this significant? Here's why. Best Buy does not carry used games, to my knowledge, nor do they have any plans to that I'm aware of. What they are doing in this test market is they are offering to sell a brand new game, retail game, for the same cost that you can find a used version of the game and either GameStop or Game Crazy. So let's say you want to go buy Bladestorm, and you went into GameStop and bought it for $45, like I did, when it is being sold brand new for 50 or 60 Best Buy will say, fine. Don't buy the used game for $45. We'll sell it to you brand new for $45. That's thinking. That's getting ahead of the curve. Best Buy sees this shitstorm coming. They know it's coming down the road. That's a hell of an idea. And you know what's going to happen if this thing takes off the ground? And i got to think it will. I hope they got it does. If this program takes off, if Best Buy starts putting the pressure on all the other used game companies, the exchange, you know, buybacks, or, or whatever the hell they... They're out in Cleveland, the Cleveland area, they're called buybacks. Or GameStops, or Game Crazes, or Video Game Exchange, or Fun, you know, Funko Land, or whatever. Any place that takes in and sells used video games, if they are now forced to lower the price even more to undercut Best Buy's retail game... You see how this works, folks? This is economics. This is competition. This is what capitalism does. This is what you need. Best Buy is going to put the screws to these people by selling the new game at the same price as the used. So they invariably are going to have to drop those used prices down even lower. Which makes it much more affordable for you and I. And eventually some of these game companies are going to throw their arms in the air and say, wait a minute. If you're going to sell this thing brand new for $45 at a used, for the used price, then why don't we just sell it new for 47 and call it even? We'll just start there. Rather than you know pumping this thing up to 55 or 60 bucks. It's a chain reaction. Is that what's going to happen? Uh, maybe not in that degree. Maybe not to that big of an effect. I, in, I, in a perfect world, I think it would. But this is a step in the right direction. Best Buy knows that. They didn't get as big as they are in the electronics industry without being good. And I've had my problems with Best Buy, don't get me wrong. They're a major box corporation. They, like every other, have issues. But it's a good thing. It's a start. I'm looking forward to it. I hope it does expand. I hope it does go somewhere. Okay, uh, a couple things we have to do yet before we wrap up the show. One, I do want to get—I did receive a bunch of audio emails from people and a couple regular emails, which was great. Um, the feedback for the first episode was overwhelmingly positive, which I was—I was glad to see. Quite a few of you people are still around from the old days. 
glad to hear it. Some of my 1G listeners, some of the uh, the old Empress Court World of Warcraft radio listeners from back in the day. Station just had its five-year anniversary, which was cool. So it's good to hear from you. I I, I do have to, to warn you, though. Some of the audios that I did get, some of the audio emails, unfortunately, were kind of garbled uh, or scrambled or, or very clicky. And I could not use, I received seven of them. I was only able to actually use two. You guys got to make sure you don't have any interference or a fan running or anything nearby your microphone when you record. The best advice I can give you is when you record it, when you're done, double-click it and play it back in a media player and listen to it and see what it sounds like. If it sounds like crap, don't send it. If it sounds passable, I'm not saying it has to be perfect quality. I get that. Not everybody has the same setup. But if it's passable, if you can understand what you're saying, then yes, by all means, send it along. And here's how this works. If you want to send me an email or an audio email, send it to emperor at wcradio.com. Get a microphone. Record yourself using whatever recording program you have. Up to 30 seconds with a question, a comment, an opinion, something. Send it to me at emperor at wcradio.com, and I will play them. And I'll respond to them like I'm going to the do now. The post office delivered your hate mail to the house again. Anything worth looking at? No, just the usual death threats, letter bombs, and human feces. You always make it sound worse than it is. How do you know it's human feces? All right, this one's from uh, Brett sends this one in. And he says... Hey, Amp, RC started playing Life for Dead again, and I wanted to know what your opinions on it were. All right, uh, I'll be honest with you. I, Brett, I... I've only played Left 4 Dead a couple times at a buddy's house. I did not care for the game myself. It's... I like first-in-person shooters. The whole zombie thing, I, I just... That's a Baron Von Gosu thing. He'd be the guy that would, you know, cream his pants white to play a game like that. It's not something I really have an interest for. Now, I do believe... I'm going off of memory here. Um, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, there was a big controversy because they announced they are coming out with an expansion for Left 4 Dead... Uh, about like six months or so after the original game debuted, after it came out. And uh, there was this big what to do, and there was going to be a petition, and people were pissed, and they were mad, because they didn't want the game coming out, because they didn't think it was possible, and they didn't think it was very fair to kick a game out the door, make everybody buy it, and then six months later come back out and say, okay, we have a whole new, brand new installment that you must now buy at full price. When you have games like Team Fortress 2, which you bought once, Either it's part of the orange box or recently as a download on Steam. And you've got, what have you gotten? New maps, new weapons, new looks, hats on a game that you play for free online that you didn't have to buy anything else extra for. And there are other games like that out there that you, that you can give an example to. And people got all seven kinds of pissed about it. So personally, I have not played Left 4 Dead. It's not really a game I have an interest in. Um, that's just not, uh, again, the whole fighting the undead, shooting people, it, you know. It's, that's not for me. So I appreciate the email. I did get one more, a very nice email. Uh, this in regards to our recent Blizzard controversy about BlizzCon here. Uh, I'm not really going to go into it uh, full bore here since that doesn't, bear, doesn't need to be repeated. Everybody pretty much knows the situation about BlizzCon. We are still going ahead and broadcasting, and from what I've been able to listen, some pretty damn good coverage, folks. Considering what we've had to deal with, considering the access that we have that we don't now, but uh, Jonas sent a, a very nice email along 
basically giving us his support, telling us he's going to stand with us, and the, the community is behind us, and, and to keep our heads up and keep going, and do the best we can. It is just a setback. It's not going to kill us. And he's right. It's not. It is just a setback. And it's not one of those even that we had any control over. It's just that's something it is. It is what it is. And I appreciate that. I got a lot of, a lot of emails like that, but his really stood out, and I, I do appreciate that. But for future reference, folks, if you wish, you can send me an email or an audio email to emperor at wcradio.com. And a couple of you guys sent it to my old Cox account. That's cool, too. If you guys want to, those who have been listening for a while, who listen to the Esports Empire on Fridays from 9 to 11 Eastern, that's cool. All right, we have time for my rant-a-thon here, such as it is. Let me grab another drink because, again, my voice is going to go dry. Ah. No, you cannot know what I'm drinking, mainly because I want sponsors to call me and say, we want to sponsor you so you can drink our product and tell people about it on the air. Yes, I will whore myself out for money. And, you know, advertisement speaking, not actually whoring, unless you're a very fine, attractive... Ow! I'm kidding! Ha ha ha, yeah. Bitch. What? I coughed. I coughed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do kind of lose all credibility when I start giggling. <laughs> I'm dead. She's mad. What are you going to do? All right. This happened last weekend. My daughter and I were playing uh, uh, Mario Kart Wii online. Because we like, she gets a thrill out of seeing the different people from different countries playing, and she'll point out, well, you know, we'll point out she's nine, so she gets a big thrill about playing with somebody in Japan, or somebody who's playing from Brazil or Australia. We, I mean, we've seen them from every damn place, even places I didn't even think had computers, but or in internet, but they do. So we were playing, and we're racing along. We we get in where we had a couple races, and we're doing fine. We're having a good time. It's fun. It's daddy-daughter gaming time. We don't do it very often. Maybe like once a week, twice a week, because I don't like her playing a great deal of video games. I try to limit that. Which is cool. She doesn't have a very big interest in that, other than the casual, let's play for an hour to kill time now and again. So we're racing along and having a good time. Then what in the behold do I come across? But a hacker. I was blissfully unaware that you could hack the Nintendo Wii. I knew you could do things with it and play games on it. I've even seen some guy who was actually able to play World of Warcraft with his Wii remote. I was not aware that you could actually hack the games being played online. Maybe I'm just naive for not realizing that fact. That's my bad, I suppose. But this guy was playing as King Boo, the little ghost guy, on his motorbike. He was invincible. He threw constant bombs, which exploded and killed everybody. And the blue shells, which we refer to as nuking, which hits whoever's in the lead and everybody around them and throws them into the air, knocking them off the map or at least stunning them for a few seconds. But it gets better. 
See, this asshole wasn't content with just nuking everybody at the start of the match. No, no, no. He actually backed up and would stop in the middle of the pile of people, because there was 12 racers, and would continue to lob bombs out and explode, forcing everybody to basically stall out. You couldn't drive anywhere, because as soon as your character was done being stunned or put back on the track, they were immediately hit again and flung into the air. Asses and elbows everywhere. This went on for almost 10 minutes. Folks, a race in Mario Kart, even if you suck, doesn't last more than usually three minutes tops. This continued. He didn't try to win. He didn't have to. He had maxed out points, like 10,000 or something. Right then, I should have known something was wrong. But again, blissfully ignorant... I don't play Mario Kart online very often. I, to be honest, I don't play the Wii very often. I enjoy a nice game of Punch-Out. I play Mario Kart with a daughter. That's about it. What I don't understand is, of course, when the race was finally over, when we were able to spread out, once we got loose, he had a fun time because he also had uh, unlimited speed. So he was racing twice as fast as everybody else. So whoever got in front would immediately be attacked and killed. Eventually, somebody was able to cross the finish line and end this charade. We leave. My daughter's all upset because we couldn't play the game. I'm upset because I can't believe somebody actually hacked a kid's game to do this. I'm up to create more unnecessary pain and suffering. We leave. We disconnect. We reconnect to go into a new game. We do. This time with ten people. And it shows all the little me's about where they are in the world. And, you know. So we're thinking, wow, that was kind of weird. At the time, I'm still not thinking that this has really been hacked. I'm thinking, well, somebody's obviously cheating. Maybe there's some kind of cheat code that we're not aware of. That happens in games. This time, we have some other jackass who does the exact same thing. Different character, different name, different cart. And does the exact same thing. This time for seven minutes. Here's what I want to know. I understand that there are some lifeless, spitless globs of manure out there who will hack a game like Counter-Strike, like Quake, like Warcraft 3, because they have nothing better in their lifeless, friendless, womanless lives. But I want to know what kind of gutter scum it takes to hack a kid's game, for the love of Christ. It's Mario Kart Wii. The only thing you're pissing off are a bunch of 10-year-olds and their parents who are trying to play. It's not like you can communicate. You can't. You can't talk to the drivers. You can't type anything because there's nothing in there. It's not a supported function. Nintendo obviously doesn't care because they're not doing anything about it. It disgusts me. It disgusts me that this is allowed to happen. That anybody would go out there and make something like this for a kid's game. Why? The only reason you do it is to be an asshole. 
You're not trying to get into a Cal, you know, some kind of Cal tournament. You're not going to try and, and you know, make any money off of this. You're not going to get on a sponsored team. You're not going to make anybody on the internet thinks you're great. It's pretty obvious as soon as we see your name and your stats, you're a hacking whore. We know that. Because nobody could possibly get that high without cheating. I, to me, that's the lowest of the low. You're already a, a soulless bag of hell for cheating in the first place on any other game or hacking or making a virus or making a worm or whatever. You have no defense. You can't say, well, I was challenging the system. I just do it because I, I want to help improve security. Well, I just do it because I, I find it very interesting and uh, I just want to want to try out and see a, uh, go against Punk Buster and the rest of them to see how I uh, uh, pit my skills versus theirs. No, there is no saving grace. This is a kid's game. You have a plastic wheel that you ride a virtual cart of Mario characters. Do you kind of get some sick thrill with shooting a blue shell into the back of Baby Toadstool? Do you like driving around an invincible ghost on a motorbike running Luigi into the water? Do you think you're some kind of high and mighty god because you beat the hell out of Toad? He's like two foot nothing and he's a mushroom. It disgusts me. It ruins it. You know what? The entire day was ruined. We turned it off, and we actually played by ourselves. We played against the computer, which offers no challenge at all. We blew right by him. End of story. We were looking to compete and have some fun. Notice people anywhere on the map. Oh, they're playing from this kind of country and that country. And wow, what a small world it really is. Daughter of mine, see how cool this is. We didn't have this when I was your age. We just had a Nintendo with the original Mario Kart and Super Nintendo. And the only person I got to kick the crap out of was Robbie down the street when he stopped over, or Scott who lived down the block because he sucked. I didn't get to beat the hell out of somebody in Japan, or Brazil, or whatever, or she didn't. We're racing against kids. I went online on Google, and I found out a way to cheat. I found the hack, a detailed breakdown of how to do it. If I wanted to. If it somehow possessed me, if I was willing to blacken my soul like these other assbags out there, I could cheat the same way. I could make my character invincible with infinite speed, infinite bombs, infinite blue shells, and ruin the game experience for everybody else at no gain for me. That just aggravates me more than anything else. And I, I tell you what, I probably wouldn't have, have reacted this way. I probably would have brushed it off the same way I do when somebody is, you know, head scripting me in, in Counter-Strike or, you know, speed hacking in Team Fortress or map hacking in Warcraft 3. And you know what? I'm used to it. It is what it is. But I tell you what really twisted the knife this time around is when my nine-year-old daughter is saying, Dad, I don't even want to play anymore. This, this is terrible. I just... Put the game away. I don't ever want to play it again. That's no fun. 
That happened twice. Now she's convinced anytime she goes online to play, she's going to run to somebody who's hacking like that and ruin the game. Her fun time, her playing games with Dad, was ruined because of some jackhole out there who did that. And there's some cynical fuck out there who's going to laugh. Yes, I use an F word. Who cares? I think it's appropriate. There's some cynical jagoff out there who's laughing. Oh, yeah, yeah, ha, ha. Welcome to the internet, little girl. I ruined your gaming experience. Get used to it. You know, that's a sad shame that that's what it's come to. That we're now hacking into kids' games. And you can say, oh, there's a lot of adults who play Mario Kart Wii. Look, I'm guessing there's a very small percentage of people who went out and bought a Wii for the sole purpose of playing Mario Kart Wii. And they're adults. The only time I brought it over for an adult party was a party of friends we had. And you want to talk about drunken driving. I think I won pretty much every race only because I was the only sober guy there. Poor Mario Kart, or Mario drowned three times. I'm pretty sure when Tara was driving it right off the road into the water because she was too drunk to drive her Mario Kart. I think right there is a pretty good indicator. You don't need a breathalyzer. You don't need to take any kind of blood. You don't need a test. If you can't drive your Mario Kart straight for more than three inches on the screen, you're probably too drunk to drive. And while fun, that was, you know, one event. Play Alliance a big part of it. It's a big part of console gaming now. And you know what? I probably was too naive to believe that this didn't happen. This kind of thing didn't go on, but it does. I was naive. I blame myself. But now I'm trying to convince my daughter now that, no, it's okay. That doesn't happen. It's going to be a rare occasion when it does. We've been playing now for a couple months. We've This is the first time we've run into it. It was just an odd chance we ran into a second guy who was doing the exact same thing. Now, I question how many people are actually out there doing it, but that's pretty low, and it's pretty disgusting. Yes, there are worse crimes in the world, but making a little girl you know, unhappy about her uh, an entertainment thing, playing her games like that, that's just wrong. At any rate, and on that depressing note, let's wrap this thing up. Hit it. All right. Well, we got 90-some minutes, folks. We get an hour and a half. You got an extra-long Emperor's Court. I hope you enjoy it. We went over some economics. We had some fun. We played some funny clips. How cool is Darkwing Duck? You all know he is. Should keep a lot more of those around here. Now, one of these days, one of these days, I hope somebody comes and finds these hacker assholes. One of these days, I hope somebody actually prosecutes the hell out of them. I don't even know if that's possible. But someday, someone's going to come for you. Suck gas, evildoer! And they're going to beat your ass, and I hope it's me. I have a big hickory stick I made out of an oak tree. Kick the hell out of you with. Ah! Just aggravated. Anyways, folks, I want to thank my staff, as always, for helping out. I want to thank Mechahawk, Devin McKay, and Davlin for sending in both music which I'll be using for the uh, Esports Empire, on Fridays, 9-11 Eastern, right here on WCRadio.com, World of Warcraft Radio. I also want to thank them for sending in articles for tonight's show. All the articles heard this evening were from their hard work and effort, and my appreciation, as always, to my staff. 
So thank you very much for that. Folks, uh, don't forget, next Thursday, hopefully, you'll be able to download another Emperor Sport. Tell your friends that I am back on the air and doing these podcasts for your entertainment. What I'm thinking of doing is on occasion, I'll announce them ahead of time, is trying to sneak in a live Emperor Sport every now and again. See if I can't do that. Try and get some more interacting. I like interacting with my listeners. To me, it makes it for a much more entertaining event. I'm also going to try and get some new guest hosts, or at least some of the old ones, get them through here on a more regular basis. I'm also going to try and work in the, the uh, story time with Emperor, a couple other little radio bits we're going to try out here and there as we can. Maybe even going back to the old commercials we used to do. I know of you, a lot of you old schoolers have heard those. People from the Esports Empire, you've heard them. Maybe we'll try doing a few of those. Again, just with radio bits, little skits, something new and different. Anyways, folks, I hope you had fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I will see you next Thursday right here for another podcast for the Emperor's Court. And next Friday, live, 9 to 11 Eastern, the Esports Empire with the Emperor, where I do play-by-play and commentary of online games as they go, with video stream attached for your viewing pleasure. Right here at World of Warcraft Radio, WCRadio.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you need to get in contact with me, that's emperor at wcradio.com, or come hang out in the channel, our IRC channel, at irc.mmoirc.com. We're in channel WoW Radio. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, as, as always, bad manners are better than no manners at all. So long, everybody. Hey there, studly man. The Paladins of Azeroth will chat it up with you right now. Hear us issue our sails of command and lay the hammer of justice to each other. Oh, I'm so excited. My nipples are hard. So call 1-900-Fairy-Polly to talk with us, the girly man of Azeroth. I think I just popped my shield. <laughs>